Hi folks and welcome to the Divorce Cowboy podcast. My name is Tamir Berkman and two and a half years ago I went through separation. It was the most challenging time in my life. Now as a separation coach I help men sleep better, get clarity and move forward. I hope you enjoy listening to this week's episode. Here we go. Hi everyone, thanks again for joining me to another episode of Divorce Cowboy. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Gabby. Hi Gabby. Hello, how are you? Thanks for having me. I'm great, thanks for coming. Um, You're welcome. Maybe we can start with you telling a little bit about what you do. Yeah, so I, um, I'm a divorce coach. I predominantly work with women um, and I work with them uh, with, to start off with, uh, um, we work around self-confidence, um, self-esteem, uh, finding their identity. Um, we also work a lot around the processes of going through their divorce and their settlement. Um, I work alongside uh, a company called Simple Separation, who I do a lot of work with. So I'm quite familiar with how the family law system works, though I'm not a lawyer, but um, I'm, I'm familiar so with that. My background is actually, well, it is in coaching. Um, I have been a coach for many years now. I was coaching uh, teenage kids um, for, for a few years. I was a I was teaching, I was teaching uh, vet students, so students who um, sort of year 10, 11 and 12, and they they all lacked this confidence. And I was actually teaching them skincare and makeup, believe it or not. And I just noticed a pattern with my clients that, you know, they would come and sit in my makeup chair and I would do their makeup and, you know, they'd be very quiet and sort of, internalize everything at first but by the time I finished their makeup they were full of confidence and um, very charismatic and and I, I noticed it with my students as well and so I, I that's how I how I actually started in coaching that you know coaching or confidence isn't something that's on the outside it's something that starts from the inside um, and you know and then we had COVID hit um, and I couldn't do my workshops anymore. So I went online and I had more and more people coming to me, um, or women, I should say, coming to me about um, losing their confidence because of their, their separation. Uh, so I, it was, I sort of changed my niche to, to um, working with women going through separation. I've been through a separation myself, so I was... Um, you know, I, I I knew the process. I knew what they were coming, where they were coming from. How mm. important is that for your clients that you actually live this experience yourself? Very important. Very important. Because it's not coming from a textbook and it's not coming from um, the lawyers. Um, it's coming from someone who has experienced it as a woman. So, and, and back when I went through my separation, there was no such thing as a divorce coach. You know, a coach was someone who coached the football team or the netball team. That was a coach. Yes, I'd heard of life coaches, but there was no such thing. Well, I didn't think so at the time. There was no such thing as someone who niched 
and specialised in women going through divorce and separation. Um, so I've lived their, their worst nightmare. I have lived the nightmare that they're going through and um, I can, I've got proof that you can get through it. And, you know, I often say to my clients that, especially if it's someone who this separation came out of the blue. So I'll say to them that, you know, this time in 12 months, you'll look back and say, that's the best gift my ex-partner has ever given me. And that was the separation. So at the time, they don't quite get it. But often a few months down the track, go, I'm actually starting to understand where you were coming from. So, but yeah, very, very important. Mm. So you see this transformation? Absolutely. Absolutely. Though they need to want to change as well. You know, there's a difference between um, clients who want to sit in victim mode um, and, you know, they're wearing that cloak and they're comfortable in that cloak and they won't shed it. Um, to, so I always say I work with people who want to change. I don't like working with people who want to want to change. So, you know, if you want to change and you're stuck and you don't know how to get unstuck, I can help you. But if you want to change but you're not willing to do the work, then it, it makes it very difficult. Mm. I think that's the role that's of a coach, though, really, at the end of the day. Um, sometimes they love us, sometimes they hate us. <laughs> Depends on how challenging the, um, the sessions were. So that's the difference, right? It's like a gym. If I'm willing to put in the work, then I'm going to get the results. If I'm just yes. going for the gym, but I'm not really going or I'm going and I'm not doing the work, then I'm not going to see results. That's right. That's exactly right. You can't just come to one session. It's about the two millimetre shifts and it's like the gym. It's about, you know, I think they call it tearing the muscle for it to then heal before you can tear it again for it to, to heal and grow. Um, clearly, I haven't been to the gym for a little while, so that analogy is... Uh, <laughs> I think you're um, right. Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's yeah. how it was. <laughs> so you've got to... You do have to feel the pain to actually to grow. Mm, no pain, um, no gain, right? That's what they use. That, yeah, the, the that's exactly right. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. So, yeah. so what does the work include? How do you do your work? What are the steps or the program? So, I suppose when I first start off with a client, it's more of a mentoring program. Um, they need we need to get to know each other. I mean, if I started off a, uh, like a, a full on coaching session with a client on their first session, and these clients are often in full grief. You know, they are they're really really hurting. They're really vulnerable, um, and you know, coaching can be brutal. It can be really brutal for someone to actually wake up and go, oh, my God, yes. Um, so I, I tend to start off my program setting boundaries and explaining how do we set boundaries. And then we look at, you know, grief and the, the different stages of grief, um, which is a really big one with, with, you know, divorce and separation because it actually... Um, validates the client's feeling. Oh, now I understand why I feel this way. 
that, that it's actually that it's okay. Um, and we talk about values. Um, you, finding your purpose is a good one because you've got to have something there. So on those really, really bad days, um, you've got something to, to, to look forward to or something to, that you are working towards. Why am I doing this? I'm doing this for, it could be for the kids. It could be to better your life or, you know, whatever it is, you've got to have a purpose. Um, so my, my program starts off mainly with mentoring um, for the first probably four weeks. Uh, and then we get into, you know, slowly, slowly get into, into the coaching. Um, however, I, I, I'm very much someone who coaches from the heart. Um, so I, if I think that the client's ready, we will, you know, naturally flow through to that coaching. Um, and, you know, where, where are you now? Where do you want to be? What steps do we need to take to get you there? Um, and that's, you know, it's different with every client. So... Yeah, so you mentioned um, grief. Yeah. What is some of the work that you do around that? Because for me, it was a real doozy grief. I, I, I didn't know that I was grieving. I needed my mentor to ask me because I came, I came and said to him, oh, look, I'm, I'm not sure what happened, but in the last few weeks, I'm feeling really lethargic, low on energy, can't get myself to do it. It feels like the air is a swamp, like I'm just going through the thing. And this is just like said, oh, you sure you're not grieving? And like, oh, duh, wow. I didn't even think about it. So how yeah. do you look around grief? So I think the first, the first thing you've got to realise is um, the stages of grief. And you've got to recognise where you are in, that, in the stages um, and it's important to actually go through, like a death, it's important to go through every stage um, because you need each stage as growth and to get and to get through it. So, you know, when when people hit that, they go from the, the disbelief, um, you know, this isn't happening um, and they can't get their head around you know, disbelief is the first stage is anger. So as long as they don't get stuck in a um, in one of the stages, then they will grow. So you know, oh, I say celebrate when you're in when you recognise that you are in in that that stage of grief because you are you're growing, and you're going through through the motions, I suppose, of having to go through grief. So. Um, but it's recognizing the stages uh, and and knowing that okay, this is where I am. I need to work through this. I need to, and, and validating this is why I'm feeling angry and understanding that you know this is why I'm feeling sad. I've gone through the anger, um, though. I think the next one is bargaining. However, you know you may not do it in in order. There's no right or wrong when it comes to grief. So, you know, they have the, this, the, the order, you know, when you, you do research on it. However, people can do things out of order and that's okay. You know, everyone does grief differently. Um, so just recognising each um, stage that you're in and, and knowing that it's okay 
and looking for steps of moving through it. So, and not getting stuck in that. So you get stuck in, in the anger phase, it's going to be really hard to, to move through to the next stage. Um, you don't want to be, you know, one of these angry people because it becomes a habit. It becomes a habit. So what are the things that I can do? Are there things that I can do to move stages? Is it just time? Is it just the thing with it? It's time. Yeah. And once again, it's different for everyone. Um, but just it's just recognizing where you are, um, you know, and that you are in grief. Um, there's you can't rush through a, a, a stage of grief. Um, and at every stage, there's a learning process. And until you actually get that lesson, you can't move on to the next stage. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. So a big part is the awareness that I'm in that stage. That's the first step. Yeah. And I guess yeah. it's also, um, it, it's, it's very understandable then why everybody maybe keep asking me, oh, how you, are you moving on? Are you, did you start dating yet? Or, or yeah. these questions are kind of like expecting me to get over it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's. Grief then, I, I'm, I need to be stuck in grief now. I need to get over the, the steps. Yeah. And look, that's a really big one. Um, using language of when are you going to get over this? Um, you know, would you, would you say to um, if it was a, a male client who, um, had you know was going through separation would you say to him if his if his wife died when are you going to get over the death of your wife like get over it it's just it's that's brutal it's not about getting over it's about moving forward mm -hmm. um, and you've got it's, it's you've got to treat it the same way as a death because it is the death of that relationship yeah. so yeah um so it's about moving forward, not getting over it, moving forward and uh, recognising that life is going to be different. Yeah, and I, and I think what's really difficult with this specific grief around the relationship is that we don't have that ritual that we have with a death of a yes. So we don't have that barrier. We don't have that a ceremony or ritual we don't have the family and friends that are coming over in this capacity so for me it was like oh what can i do to actually experience a ritual around grief and for me it was about burning things in my backyard so i had like a funeral yeah. pyre and burned not not maliciously not with intent no of, no 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 but yeah with, yeah with the intent of honoring the relationship, letting it go and being free to yes. proceed, to move forward into the future in a clean sort of way. Yeah, totally. I um, often encourage, it's part of, I call it growth work. So there's no homework with my coaching, it's growth work. So I, <laughs> one of the things I encourage is um, write a letter to your ex and get everything out, all the un, unspoken words, all the unspoken emotions, the feelings. You can be as brutal and you can use whatever language you like, but you do not get to post that letter. 
you get to burn it. So that way for the clients, and I, I say this for my male and female clients, what happens is you feel like you've given, you've, you've had a voice, you've had your say, um, and often it's going to fall on deaf ears, deaf, deaf ears, sorry, if you're saying it verbally to someone, they're like, put their hands up, not listening, not listening. Whereas by writing it all out, you're having your say, you're, you're being heard as you, you're getting the emotion out um, and then you burn it. And it is so therapeutic, really, really therapeutic. Um, and then you can write a letter to yourself as well. So, you know, anything that you did that you were disappointed, whatever behaviour, you may have been disappointed with some sort of behaviour, you know, on your part and you're feeling a bit guilty about it, write it down. You know, I'm disappointed, da-da-da-da-da. Then burn it and it's done. You know, you've got to get that emotion out. Um, and it's, yeah, so there's a lot to be said for little fire rituals. <laughs> I yeah. do say if you don't have a fire pit, burn it over the sink. So, yeah, but burn it or make paper mache with it. <laughs> That's a good option. And I do remember also burning some parts of the man I used to be, burning yes. the parts of me, for example, burning the people pleaser. Yeah, totally. Not serving me anymore. Okay, I'm, I'm burning that part of me. To totally. Me for the new me. Yeah. is aware of that and will actually practice the skills not to go back there. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the lesson. So the lesson in it is that, you know, people say, oh, nothing good happens from this, these separations. Yes, something good does happen. Just don't look at it as what you've lost. Look at it as the lessons that you've learned. What have you learned about yourself? You know, you're resilient, you're strong, you, you know, you can handle a challenge, um, you can get through this. So you're stronger than what you think you are. Uh, so leave that, you know, that weak, insipid person behind because burn that, per well, that, not that person, but you know what I mean, but that, that, uh, that part of you, let it go because you've just proven how strong you actually are. It's a letting go process. Yes. It is a letting go process. process is about the letting go. And I think what makes it really challenging is that it's not just letting go of a person, of a relationship, but it's also letting go of dreams, hopes, future, plans, yeah. right? It's, it's that whole thing, like my whole life plan was based around yeah. this person. Totally, yeah. Absolutely. But what's also really important that when you look back at the memories that were really happy memories, they're still happy memories. Don't muddy them with the experience that you've had a few years down the track. Those memories will remain happy memories. Um, you know, I, I have a few clients who have actually said, you know, I think back on my wedding day and, you know, and they, we, they were so happy, such, we were so happy. I go, but you're still doesn't change anything. You were still happy, you know, so you've got to cherish that. You've got to hold on to that. Yeah, you were happy then. You had happy times. Um, just because you're going through a separation doesn't then mean that that memory doesn't have to be a happy memory. 
Yeah, and I think it's easy when separation happens to just get caught up in this and then turn the entire relationship to be either a lie or unhappy or something that never worked. I've wasted 20 years of my life. No, you haven't. You haven't. Um, and that's, it's really sad when clients say that. I feel like I've wasted 20 years of my life. I go, well, you have three beautiful children. You have had you have all these beautiful holidays. You've got some beautiful memories. That's not a waste. That's not a waste. You're, you are now, you know, you're at the end of that chapter or, or, or you know, write your own sequel to that, to that book mm, yeah. and because that's what you have control of. So it is to appreciate that there was love there. Like that's, mm. we got married, right? Like because we were in love, because we loved each other. Yeah. So it was, it was a happy, um, in my case, amazing relationship. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, you know, people don't get married um, unless there's love there unless there are happy experiences there, well, most people. Um, so I'm not saying hold on to them and don't let them go. I'm just saying remember them as happy memories. You know, there were happy times in, in the relationship. There were loving times in the relationship. It's just now the relationship has entered a, a, a different phase. Your life has entered a different phase and... You know, sometimes we need to say goodbye to something to make room for something else that's bigger and better. Mm. So, and as hurtful as it can be, you know, especially if you are right in the thick of it at the moment, you know, and you can't quite see the reasoning behind that. I always say just trust that bigger, better things are coming um, and don't get stuck in that victim, that victim mode, because... Tell you what, I was stuck in victim mode for a long time. Um, it was easy to be in victim mode because everybody looked after you, <laughs> but you didn't grow. I never grew until one day I woke up and I thought, oh, I am done with this, you know. Um, had I had a coach, I probably would have got through it a lot quicker. <laughs> um, and recognising that I was in victim mode and, and how comfortable it was in victim mode. Um, because it can be comfy, but you're not growing. So, And it's very comfortable to be a victim because I can blame other people or other things for my situation, not taking responsibility, not being yes. involved. And it's also easy to be a rescuer, right, to try and save others. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. Which is... There's a fine line with coaching between coaching someone and saving someone because, you know, that is something that I'm really good at, trying to save and save people. Um, so hence, I suppose, why my program starts off with mentoring. Um, but once again, fine line between saving someone. Um, and I think that line is you know, do they want to change? If you want to change, I'm here to help you. Um, but don't tell me you want to change and don't do the work behind it. 
Yeah. So that's right. And for me, it's I can't do the work for you. Yeah. And I can't um, give you advice. What I can do is I can teach you the tool. I can show you the tool and show you how to use it. So then you can apply that tool. If you practice that tool, you'll get skill. Yes. Skill and you can start changing your life by changing yourself. Yes, totally. Totally. That's, um, yeah, that's exactly exactly what it is. It's, um, and, and hence why I have the growth work. The, the magic of coaching doesn't happen in the coaching session. The magic of coaching happens in between the sessions when you put into action the tools that you were talking about. So if you don't put into action what, what you know, what you've learned, what we've discussed, you're going to stay stuck. You've got to stay stuck. Um, but, yeah, that's where the magic happens. Yes. Those aha moments. And it's sort of a little bit disappointing that often we get to miss those moments. <laughs> We're not there. Um, and But, you know, the excitement of getting that phone call of going, oh, my God, now I get it. Oh, my God. Thank you. you go, yes. <laughs> yeah. um, but everyone reaches that at a different time. You know, there's no, there's no rule book. No rule book. So... Yeah. So do you, um, are you making sure that your clients follow the growth yeah. work? Oh, yeah. If they don't do their growth work, we do not have our next session. They cannot book in for their next session until they've done that growth work. Mm. So, yes. And even like at the beginning of each of our sessions, we go through, okay, tell me about what you learned while you did your growth work. You know, I don't, we don't go through the answers because a lot of those things, it's not about me and, and my opinion of what they've written. It's about them reflecting and what can I do moving forward uh, with regards to, you know, whatever the session was about. What boundaries am I going to set and who am I going to set those boundaries with? Um, I might talk about um, the consequences of not setting boundaries. You know, if you don't set boundaries with that particular person, you know, what are the consequences? What do you, you know, what's going to happen or maybe what's not going to happen? Um, so there are, we will talk about the consequences of it. Um, but, you know, their growth work is, is very personal to them. So I don't, not like a teacher and go through and, yeah, good, tick, 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 gold star. <laughs> Doesn't happen like that. But they must do their growth work and we will discuss the growth work. Um, in between, you know, be, before they book in for the next session. So, yeah, mm. yeah great. So you started talking about boundaries. Yeah. Let's talk about that a little bit. Like what's the importance yeah. around boundaries? Why is this a thing? Boundaries is really, really important because what it does is by setting boundaries um, and once, once um, people start to recognise the boundaries and respect those boundaries, your confidence and self-esteem, your self, yeah, self-confidence and self-esteem lifts. So, because it's like, wow, they're actually doing what I've asked them to do. So I talk about negotiable boundaries and non-negotiable boundaries. So let's say you're in a relationship. Well, your relationship um, was quite, your ex is quite aggressive and they're forever texting or ringing constantly, constantly. Which, and I, this is 
um, something that happens a lot with, with some of my clients. Um, so the boundary is that, you know, if, if you're on a phone call and they start to get aggressive, you don't speak to me like that. If you continue to speak to me like that, I will hang up. And then you've got to hang up. You've got to, first of all, respect your own boundaries. So you can't just hang up. You've got to set, if you continue to speak to me like this, I will hang up. You know, I will not tolerate it. I'll hang up. Um, same with text messages. If you continue to text me every five minutes, I will block you. Um, I'm happy to talk to you about the kids. I'm happy to talk to you about whatever it is, you know, that you're happy to talk to them about. But if you are continually texting me to tell me I'm a horrible person, I will block you. And then you've got to follow up on that, you know, on that boundary. Um, and eventually it, it's like a bow and arrow, you know, you will get resistance first, you know, you pull back the bow and the arrow goes forward. So you will get resistance and, and, and expect resistance. But that's where you've got to be really strong with your boundaries. Um, and eventually, as the arrow catapults, that, that means they're respecting those boundaries. So that then will increase your self-confidence. Um, and it's not just around, you know, your ex-partner. It's around the kids, if you've got kids. It's around friends who are forever... Um, yeah, what's happening, what's happening, you know, tell me all the nitty gritty and, you know, it's setting boundaries with those people as well um, and, and sticking to those boundaries. So, yeah, with your parents, maybe your parents are just continually telling you what to do or you might have that friend who keeps, you know, who's not helpful, you know, because let's face it, there's a lot of people out there that are trying to be helpful but they're not helpful. Um, so it's setting boundaries with those people as well. Um, and then your negotiable boundaries are ones where, um, you know, if you say um, you can ring the kids at, you know, before they go to bed each night or FaceTime the kids each night. Um, if for some reason they couldn't ring at 7 o'clock or something, yeah, yeah, no worries, you can ring at 6 or 7.30 as long as it's before they go to bed. So that's a no, that's a negotiable boundary. You know, it could be about you know, the, the times you pick the kids up um, if they're running late. You know, you're not going to go, no, I don't care. You will be here at six o'clock on the dot. That's my boundary. You know, you've got to be, a, there's, there's got to be some sort of negotiation around some of these boundaries. Um, so, and it just gives you, um, it helps you feel empowered when people are respecting your boundaries. So why is it so hard to put boundaries for some people? Because they're people pleasers. <laughs> Would yeah. you agree? I'm putting my hand up. Yeah, oh, I, I know. Yeah, I, I did it. I was the same. I did it. So you want to please everybody. And you just can't please everybody because by pleasing everybody, you are putting yourself last. And to... to to help with your confidence and your self-esteem, you need to every now and again put yourself first. And that's why we set boundaries. Um, yeah. As, so that's the a, important boundaries. Yeah. As a recovering people pleaser, which I am, yes. I'm very much aware of it. And I'm 
I was so, um, it was so difficult for me to put a boundary because my hard wire was for pleasing. So yeah. my default was to say yes to everything mm. my ex said or wanted yeah. or requested. And it became um, really something that is a bit unmanageable. Yeah. So I needed to figure out a solution because I couldn't go to a boundary. It was very hard for me um, to, to do this on the spot. When she was asking me something, I didn't know what to say. And my default was yes. So I had to say yes. And then I was kind of like going, oh, why did I say yes? And I'm a people and all of that. So by just being aware and recognizing, first of all, I have this shadow. I'm a people pleaser. What do I do about it? I said, okay, so how about if I will change my default? Instead of the default being yes, my new default will be, let me think about it. I just yes. need some time. It's not a yes and it's not a no. I just yeah. need some time to sit with it and think about it. I'll let you know tomorrow. And it was always like, um, you know, after I'll sleep on it, well, after 24 hours. So that was my new default. And when I started practicing it, it was really easy for me to do because it wasn't a no, which was really mm. hard for me to do. It was a, yeah. let me think about it. And I just communicated it clearly to my ex. I said, look, I have a problem. It's called people pleasing. I am going <laughs> new default. And this is what I'm going to tell you when you're going to ask me things from now on. So she was ready for it. Yeah, perfect. And, and it didn't make it, it made it a bit easier because I didn't change my behavior without notifying her and communicating. It was, oh, that's his new default. I don't like it, but I... Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, it's like you have to uh, communicate that boundary to that person. So you're communicating your new um, people pleaser or um, what, what, what did you call it? Recovering people pleaser. <laughs> Uh, as a boundary so you know it's communicating that and and that's all it takes but yeah that's that, and that's like taking it's like the two millimeter shifts so it, it goes from yes 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 to um look let me think about it to if it doesn't suit no that doesn't suit yeah yeah mm. you were talking about the bow and arrow and the resistance yeah absolutely right so at first the first week that I've tried it, there was a lot of resistance or a little bit. Probably from you as well. From, from me as well, absolutely. To yeah. change my behavior. Yes, I, I felt a little bit um, anxious while I was there. Yeah. Then after about a week, it became a lot easier for me to say because it's my new default. And actually, I see the results. And after really not a long time, after maybe a couple of weeks, her um, behavior changed and instead of coming and asking me oh can you do this for me can you do this and that she will go uh listen you can think about it don't tell me no right now here's what i need but don't tell me yes or no just think about it it's about control who's got control mm. yeah so I, I had control over me right yes i wasn't looking yeah. to control her i wanted to control my behavior around totally. and other people yes totally so because 
go in, well in any situation, but especially in going through these separations, um, you do feel like you've lost control. You feel like that you have no say in your future and, and this is what's happened and I have no control anymore. Um, so, yeah, just even knowing that, yeah, you do have control, you just need to stop and, you know, look at it from higher above and look down on the situation say, okay, yeah, actually I do have control. So disassociate yourself. Mm. And, and what do I have control over? What can I control, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Control. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So when I get you. these urgent messages, ring me, ring me, ring me, this is what's happened. Can you control this situation right here and right now? No, I can't. Okay. Can you control it in a week's time? Maybe. So for what purpose are you stressing out right now when you know that you cannot control this situation? That's It's easy for us to say that. But, so, and, know, and it's a practice. It's a skill, right? When I just started, it was really, really hard. After oh, yeah. weeks, like the gym, it was yes. yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, yeah. And, and it's yeah. Really, it's, it was really hard for me to also understand that I can change myself. If I can change myself, I'm changing the situation. So instead of going around blaming or, or stressing or doing it or doing that outside external focus, yeah. I need to get back to myself and go, hey, what can I change? What can I control? Only myself. How can I change my behavior, my communication, my perspective to change the situation? And it always yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what we think is a choice. We can choose, you know, um, am I going to be angry about this? You know, when my clients come and say, he made me so angry. No, he didn't make you angry. You chose. You chose to feel angry. He has no control over your emotions. You chose to feel angry. So that's I'm during the coaching, not the mentoring. <laughs> How do they react to that the first time someone hear you say this? Um, depends on what, what mindset they're in. Um, and hence why I say, you know, I wouldn't say that to someone in their first session. You know, if they're coming angry and upset and, you know, it's, you, you just can't because they just can't see reason. Um, but the first time um, I, I get a lot of resistance. Mm. a lot of resistance um the fact that they they when they realize it that they've got control over their thoughts and their emotions it's like going oh okay so i'll often say you know for what purpose did you choose to feel angry um, and was it actual anger that you felt so you can uh, break down that anger was it disappointment was it um disbelief you know break it down because angry is such a big word and it covers so many different emotions you know and it might break right down that actually felt betrayed okay you felt betrayed okay so feeling betrayed is is more manageable than feeling this anger is so such a big emotion 
Um, and as a betrayed is just a, an example, but you know, they, you choose, you can choose how you feel, you know, you can choose to react to a text message. So I often tell my clients to change the name. Like if someone is texting you or ringing you, your ex is texting or, or, or ringing constantly. And this is male and female. I'm not, not just saying because I do coach both. Um, but And I tell both or all my clients the same thing. Change the contact name from Fred, whoever, to choose again. So when your ex is ringing you, you don't look and go like this and immediately get angry or frustrated. You go, oh, choose again. Okay, all right. I'm going to choose to be calm. It's just a reminder. Just choose again. So I love it. Yeah. That's so good. So, you know, even after 10 years, I literally the other day changed my ex's name back to choose again. It's like, yeah, I need to change this. <laughs> so I did. I did. Right. Great tip. Um, hmm. I can see how helpful it could have been for me. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some changed the name to something completely different, but when you've got kids, you need to be careful if they realise you've changed it to a, a different name. So yeah. just yeah. And choose again is, you know, yeah, I, I realize how much important, how, how cool this is, because I remember getting a physical charge in my body when I saw the name of my ex on the phone. Yeah. Like, yeah, totally. In, in, in some sort of a body trauma or anxiety or something happened there and yeah. I used to actually feel very uncomfortable. Yes. Yeah, it is. It is. You get that, well, as I said, that ugh, feeling, this, oh, you know, almost dread. It's almost mm. dread. Now what? Now what? Yes. Yeah. No, that's what it was for me. It was a real, oh, God, here we go again. Now what? Um, but by, yeah, changing it, you go, okay, I can choose how I'm going to feel taking this call or I can choose not to take the call. So. And that's a concept but that I was never taught. So the concept of I am responsible for my own feelings and I am mm. responsible for any anyone's feelings yeah that, that is not no, anyone else no one can control no one has that much control over you that they can make you feel a particular emotion that is something that only you have control over so and that's look that's a that's a really good lesson for you know for people who do feel as though they've lost control of their life and go well no you you've got total control over your thoughts you've got total control over your emotions and it's how you choose mm. it's it's a concept that is I, I feel that it's so true but it's hard to grasp because we are hardwired and, and we're taught that yeah. since childhood it's like oh you made me you made me angry or this this person made me angry and then you cry and then you do something and then it's I think we're not dealing with it right so it's not acknowledged it's not like oh yeah I hear that you're angry How, why, why do you think that person made you angry and then saying hey actually you are in charge of your emotions you can change it you can mm. oh, thank you angry bye angry and welcome yeah. to 
or you can be angry if you want for a few minutes or an hour or two and get rid of it in some yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and obviously there are things that, you know, you can't totally get rid of anger. You know, it's there for a reason. Um, it's there to protect us, you know, but recognise that that's how you're feeling and acknowledge it, validate it, and then what can I do about it? It's my choice. You can move on from it. So yeah, you've got control. <laughs> so um, you mentioned that you... Um, predominantly um, coaching women. Yes. Any difference between the dumper and the dumpy or the one who initiated the yeah. um, separation and the one who is left behind? Yes. Yeah, there is. So the person who initiated the separation would have already gone through the grieving process, maybe even without realising. So... Uh, in most cases, in most cases. So uh, every case is unique. Uh, but in most cases, if you were the person who called the relationship and said it's over, you've already grieved it. For some reason, you know, whatever, you've grieved the relationship. So you, you can move on a little bit quicker. I do find that that person um, can get stuck in guilt. Um, and it's, it's finding that um, often there's a secondary gain to them feeling guilt. So finding out what that secondary gain is, um, you know, what is holding, what is making you hold on to this guilt? Um, and, you know, there'll be something, something that, you know, they're choosing to feel guilty for a particular reason. Um, and once again, they're all different all different reasons but yeah and when the, the person who and it depends on um how how long the relationship was for um the person who got dumped for want of a horrible it's a horrible expression but it's true <laughs> um they're often in just disbelief they're in you know if they didn't see it coming um and then you know you're in absolute disbelief and then you are I should have seen it coming. I, I'm an idiot. Everybody else saw it except me. And so you've got to you've got to cover that first before you can then go through the grieving process and start um, rebuilding. And that's what you're doing. You're rebuilding your life, rebuilding your identity often as well. So um, I know women and men may you know have the same. Um, experience that you with your identity you identify as um a a wife so you know you identify as well we use fred again fred's wife um or you identify yourself as you know the the role that you play at work yeah oh you know people say oh you know tell me about yourself oh yeah i i'm an accountant i am so I am this, I am Fred's wife, I am Joey's mother. Um, so from a woman's perspective, we identify ourselves by the role we play and we forget who we are at our core. So, um, you know, you've got to start with that as well. 
Um, and especially you. So, yeah, men are the same. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Right. So, I'm a husband, I'm a provider, I'm a dad. Suddenly, I'm not. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, people forget who they are at their core, you know, that you were you before you were Mrs. or Mr. Well, it's always Mr., but Mrs. So and so. You were Miss Gabby before you became Mrs. Gabby. Um, and yeah, I suppose women change their, their title and their name, their, their surname. Um, not all of them. The smart ones didn't. But <laughs> um, so you've got to go back to who you are at your core. Uh, and that's, you know, part of the, 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 the lessons and moving on, moving yeah. forward. Absolutely. And it's something I just realized when I was going through separation that mm. it's actually an identity crisis. Yes. There's other things. That's something that I never thought when, when I thought about separation, I never thought of identity crisis. Yeah. But it's yeah. much is. Um, you mentioned the guilt of the yeah. initiating party. Mm. And yeah. I think it's so interesting because in my separation journey, I reached a point when I was, I said to my ex that I forgive her because I know how hard it is for her. I can, I realize what she gone through and the guilt and um, the the courage she needed to actually come out and speak her truth. Oh, yeah. 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 So we talk a lot about courage um, and that courage to actually, you know, have that conversation. And it does take courage uh, for the person who initiated the separation. You know, everyone deserves to be happy. Um, and the guilt comes from I've made someone unhappy. You know, I've caused their, their sadness. I've caused their, their anger, um, and that's, that's the guilt. Yeah, I'm breaking the family. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm yeah, totally. breaking the family, uh, breaking the house. Yeah. Traumatising the kids. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, we, we think of those big words, but at the end of the day, your house isn't broken. Your family's not broken. It's just different now. You know, when people say, oh, you're now from a broken home. I, I used to say, oh, no, my home isn't broken. No, there's a few cracks in the wall that's not broken, though. Oh, no, no, no. Well, you know, you're from a broken family as in, oh, no, my family's not broken. My family is just different to what your family is. My family is different to what it used to be. It just, it's a broken, coming from a broken home or a broken family is just, has such negative connotations to it. Um, and it's, you know, how can I ever be happy again? Because I've broken the house. I've broken the family. I've broken, you know, you haven't broken it. You've just made it different. Yeah, yeah, you know? absolutely. So, yes, I, um, it's about changing the wording that we use around yeah. breakup. No, it's not a breakup. It's an evolution. It's yes. Oh, beautiful. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 
and how we talk about divorce because I was I was in deep shame around my separation because I felt I'm a failure in life. Yeah. I felt I I I said to myself all of these things. Now my home is broken, broken family, all the stigma that comes with it. But yeah, understanding how to do it right in the healthy way to do it, I think yeah. the that that's that opportunity that you talked about opportunity for growth the opportunity for learning absolutely yeah absolutely and just recognizing that that's okay so mm -hmm. and there is no shame in divorce you know yes years ago when our grandparents you know that was unheard of and oh yes that that was the broken home and the divorce and the um oh what what was the expression the um no, it can't. it'll come to me, but um, it's, it's not like that anymore. You know, it's, there's something better. Like, yes, you could be in a lot of hurt and a lot of pain, but know that there will be something bigger and better. You need to uh, learn from the previous relationship so you can move forward. Um, with that new knowledge yeah so and that's what it's about and that's growth absolutely and and yeah back, i i thank my ex for initiating it i think she did yes See? i think she gave me a, a gift and an opportunity for a new life which i love. totally Actually, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. I wouldn't have the life I have now had we not go, gone through a separation. And ours was a really high conflict separation. It was really high conflict. So when I do get a client who is in a high conflict situation, I go, I can help you. I can help you. I've been there. I've done that. I've walked that path and I can show you the way. That's so, you know, I thank my ex for that. I don't have to verbally thank him, but I'm thanking him, you know, and it's like forgiveness. You don't have to go up and say, I forgive you. Forgiveness is about you and your growth. It's got nothing to do with the person you're forgiving, you know. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, great. Well, thank you so much for this chat. I've learned. Oh, thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, no great. worries, a pleasure. And for... Uh, anyone who listens and wants to get in touch with you, how can they get in touch with you? Um, I'm on LinkedIn as Gabby McDonald or also on my Facebook Facebook page under Gabby McDonald as well. Um, so that's probably the easiest way to get in contact with me through Facebook or through LinkedIn. Um, and or you can contact me through Simple Separations as well. I'm usually the person who answers the phone there as well. So <laughs> do all those consultations. So yeah, right. they're the best ways of contacting me. Feel free to reach out. I answer all my private messages um, personally. So, uh, and also my phone number is on both. So yeah, so connect right. that way. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to another Divorce Cowboy episode. If you or anyone you know is going through separation, 
please check out divorcecowboy.com.au for free downloads and resources. Or shoot me an email at tamir, T-A-M-I-R, at divorcecowboy.com.au or catch me on LinkedIn or Facebook. Until then, keep moving forward.